Dads, you're listening to Abba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teachings, the better it makes us as dads. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. And today we're talking about gifts and grace. But first, we have a listener email. Hey, Cameron, Brando, and Matthew. Hey, that's us. Thank you for sharing your insight and wisdom on God-given role of fatherhood. Lots of good stuff. I listened to the episode Bad Dad Impatience, really connected to both Asher's role and Brando in the real-life story example. Impatience is certainly a fruit of the anti-spirit, the spirit that's opposed to God's Holy Spirit in my own life. But God is oh so faithful. Also, a bit of Western society expecting to the minute, thanks to the internet, to the millisecond, timeliness really shows a collective move away from the much older and overall more efficient system. If you haven't uh, listened to our impatient podcast, you should um, give it a listen to know what he's talking about there. Um, This is great. He he references a novel. He says, in the novel, Gulliver's Travels, there is a part where the tiny people discover Gulliver's pocket watch. When they notice that he consults it before doing anything, they assume that it is his, his god. This was Jonathan Swift's satirical jibe at industrialization. Men would rather carry a wind-up a wind sun in their pockets rather than refer to the one that the living God put in the heavens, thereby holding a tighter rein on one's own time, also stressing everyone out considerably. Uh Oh, this is great. I um, love the feedback. He also gave an example um, and brought up a, an, an interesting thing we wanted to discuss. Um, he said, Brando, um, did you know that Studio C is made by BYU? And um, Brando mentioned Studio C in our last podcast um, as a uh, something that their family watches on occasion. And um, he says, BYU is a Mormon organized school. Brando, do you want to respond to that? Yeah. Um, thanks for the feedback again. Um, but yes, I was aware that uh, Studio C was produced by the Mormon College. Um, and just to be clear with everybody, um, I do endorse Studio C because it is very funny. But uh, I do not endorse... Um, the school there, um, mostly because we are Protestant evangelical Christians, and uh, we have some very serious uh, theological disagreements with the Mormon Church. But uh, hey, we welcome any Mormons that uh, want to listen and gain insight from the Scripture. Um, but yeah, um, usually Studio C is is pretty theologically. Uh, empty when they're just making their funny sketches so all right and he wraps up the email with may god bless you all and guard you from all evil that the enemy may bring against your faith in jesus and may he daily show his provision to you and bless you in your marriages and may he fill us all with plenty more patience goodness and mercy as we wait for him so thank you um, to our listener um hailing out of the usa and um heard about the podcast from facebook so um, thanks for reaching out to us as um if you want to reach out to us yourself you can send us an email at abbafatherpod at outlook.com okay on to the story So when we're talking about gifts and grace, um, I didn't have a specific story thinking about gifts, more of an experience that I think that dads can relate with. It's this just excessive amount of gift giving that happens in my family and in-laws and all that. It's like every time we go to a store, my child expects to receive a gift or get something Sometimes, you know, my, my in-laws will come over and when they are walking in the door, they have a bag of something in their hand that they bought for, for my daughter. Um, and you know, Christmas, it's just a, a whole truckload of gifts. Um, birthdays are the same. It's just, there's so much gift giving in our culture, in our family culture, 
um, I sometimes see it as, as, as excessive. And we had a podcast, um, uh, you know, a recent podcast, a couple, I think a couple months ago, where we talked about that. Um, just kind of like the shame of feeling like we're, um, taking on too many things, but this, uh, this is looking at it from a different perspective of, um, of gifts themselves. What, what are, what message are we sending our children, um, by giving them gifts, um, in relation to God's gift to us through Jesus Christ and the other gifts that he bestows upon us? Um, what are we um, what are we training our kids to expect when it comes to gift giving? And also what should their, how should their heart be oriented in regards to gifts? And so really where we were, um, we're coming at this episode a little bit more nerdy than our normal episodes. So um, for the nerd Bible theology dads out there, we hope that this one speaks to you. Today, we wanted to dig into a little bit of John Barclay's work. He's a scholar and did an extensive amount of work, spent a decade on the idea of gifts and grace. Yeah, um, I definitely, uh, we did jump into John Barclay's work. Um, he has a over 600 page scholarly work on Paul, the apostle, and grace. So um, that's a deep dive in uh, any definition. So, um, but one of the things I thought was most interesting as we were thinking about um, grace and gift giving, um, one of the things that Barclay pointed out um, in a video. Um, that we could link to is he talks about how when Paul, the apostle, uses the word grace that we translate as grace, he said it's it's not a special theological technical term in the Greek. It's a so it's, it's the word charis, which just means a gift. It's a generic kind of term for a gift, and um, so it really is it is uh, more relevant than you might think to a discussion on giving gifts uh, to talk about God's grace. Um, But one of the things that Barclay points out in the scripture, um, grace is multifaceted. Uh, We tend to think of it as more or less grace, but uh, he points out that there are, he, he created what he calls a taxonomy of grace. Um, And he says there are six, different perfections of grace um, and that one of the perfections, those perfections are superabundance, uh, which designates the extravagance of the gift given. Um, another perfection of grace is priority, which would indicate the gift was given before any initiative of the recipient. Uh, another priority uh, perfection of grace would be singularity which would note that the gift giving is the giver's only mode of interaction with the recipient. Another one is incongruity, which refers to a gift that is given without any regard to the worth of the recipient. Efficacy refers to the gift that produces the desired response in the recipient. And finally, non-circularity suggests that the gift is given without any regard to the response of the recipient. And uh, what is so uh, fascinating to me about this is uh, to discuss, um, he uses this taxonomy to kind of differentiate positions on grace. You know, every, every religion, every religious system believes in some sort of grace, some sort of good gift that God gives to his people. And uh, our God, Yahweh, the God of uh, the Old and New Testament, um, gives us a super abundant, extravagant grace of adoption as his children. He takes the priority in giving gifts and taking the initiative before we ever uh, thought of being uh, responsive to him, he gave grace. Uh, it is singularity in that 
he only ever gives us grace. Everything that God gives to us is grace. Every breath that we take is grace. Every uh, moment that we live is is a gift from the Lord. Um, every moment that we are not dying um, in congruity, the gift given without any regard to the worth of recipient, we are utterly um, unworthy of God's grace, as Paul points out over and over, and, and many other authors in the scripture um, the efficacy of God's gift. He gives us grace knowing that his gift alone will um, affect the response that he desires to see in us. His gift of the Holy Spirit um, changes our hearts, gives us new birth, and, and makes us respond to him in love and in devotion and non-circularity. Um, that he gives the gifts Sometimes he gives gifts without even expecting any response. He he gives, uh, the scripture says he he gives rain to the righteous and to the unrighteous. He uh, he gives grace to everyone, regardless of whether they respond um, favorably or not. He gives gifts, not in expecting anything in return. So that last thing you said is a lot like common grace that we talk about often. Yeah. Um, man, that's that's quite a bit deeper than just what I've even said and what you've probably heard from your typical sermon, that grace is what? Unmerited favor. And that's not a that's not a wrong uh statement, but wow, get grace from at least the works of Paul, according to Dr. Barclay, grace is so much more than just unmerited favor alone. Yeah, to me, the probably the most striking and um, um, just amazing part of of his, I don't know, ability to really wrap up the idea of grace and the gift of grace um, in these six pri- priorities and perfections that um, that he that God gives us a gift regardless of what we've done, regardless of how we respond but is expecting response. And it's like, it's hard to wrap my mind around him producing a desired, he's expecting a desired response from us, but does not expect that response from us. It's not a transaction. It's an invitation. And that invitation is for a relationship. And I think that's, that's the one thing about when I'm, when I'm thinking about the gift, the grace itself is, the gift is given not because we earned it and not because we're supposed to be doing something with it. It's because that gift itself urges us to respond and encourages us and invites us to respond. And I just, you know, when we I think about just gifts in general, especially, you know, just thinking about grace, that idea to me is, is just so powerful. Yeah, God is uh, the ultimate gift giver. He gives yeah. out of an abundance, a, a, a ceaseless abundance. He has no need, and he gives freely. I mean, we even think, I've thought in the past about um, the huge vastness of the universe that exists, um, and I've heard, you know, I've heard a skeptic's uh, remark that it seems like there's so much wasted space. Um, but we're not dealing with a God who's got limited resources. We're dealing with a God who has infinite resources. And he shows his infinite awesomeness, even in his creation that he's made of just giving us vast expanses of just stars and space to see and explore and, and, and to wonder at. But we're not going to be able to give our kids space. <laughs> no, we do not have you know, endless resources. Right. So, um, and that, that's the center to me, the landing point of, of, of our podcast today is knowing how perfect a gift giver God is and those aspects of his grace that are so powerful and 
can just just encourage us and invite us to have worship and relationship with him. How do we give gifts to our children, whether it's a material or the gift of time, our presence, etc., to our kids in a way that's similar to God's? I know we're not going to be able to do, we're not going to be able to give them Jesus. We can't ever out-gift God. (laughs) But we can embody I think some of those intentions, those uh, um, desire for relationship, the gift giving regardless of worth, um, the gift giving without expecting return, the invitation for relationship out of that gift, um, the you know the the gift itself is 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 of high worth, um, you know, and, and high value. How do we how do we do that? How do we give those gifts to our kids so that they see? God's gift giving character in it. Yeah, I think um in thinking of these six perfections, we can't do all of them. We can model God's abundance in giving um somehow, you know, we we can give extravagant gifts to our kids. I think one way um and maybe um I think God does this uh, God gives us gifts and sometimes we don't see them as abundant as they really are. And one thing, you know, um, I give my kids time. I give them uh, shelter and I give them, you know, all of their needs and I expect nothing in return. And I think one and, you know, maybe this is me giving a cop out of saying, I don't want to buy a bunch of stuff when I already give them so much. But uh, one thing is to say, to help them see the value of what they are being given. You know, God gave us Christ when we were his enemies and we didn't care. Um, and he helps us to see what it is he's given us. Um, the priority perfection of giving a gift. We take the initiative uh, in seeking our kids out. Um, that's been super important to me lately. Um, with, especially with my middle child, uh, middle children get lost in the fray. Uh, that's the stereotype, right? Um, I've been trying to take the priority to seek her out and give her my attention and my time. Um, even when she hasn't, um, she hasn't initiated anything. I try to be the initiator, Um, I don't think we can necessarily, uh, model God's singularity, uh, perfection in grace of saying we only interact with our children through gift giving. Um, and, uh, I don't think we can model God's efficacy perfection in his grace of giving gifts that produce the desired response that we want to see because we don't have, the power of the Holy Spirit, but uh, we can give to our children. Uh, we can take the initiative. We can be extravagant. We can be. Um, we can give regardless of whether they're worthy of having that gift, and we can give. So they can't be on the naughty list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this? Uh, can we talk about Christmas? Shoot, yeah. Santa Claus is the opposite of Jesus. At least in uh, modern popular culture. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got a book where he's praying to Jesus. At the nativity. You're telling me he's the opposite of Jesus? I'm tell- So, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad um, in our show notes, Brando wrote this down, and I totally missed it. You know, we're talking about gift giving, and for some reason, I, I, I just, I wasn't thinking about Santa Claus, but wow, like when we... As we're talking about John Barclay's work, God's grace, his gift giving, and his his character, and then we talk about Santa Claus, like this is this is not this is not even close to it, the way that God gives gifts. You know, you got to be on the nice list, and He checks that list twice to determine whether you have the value, the merit to achieve the gift, to get the gift. And that's if if I mean if we're trying to embody the the character of who God is and the way that he does things so that our children will see it and respond to it in a positive way 
Santa Claus really needs to be out of the picture. Now, I got to say, we're a Santa Claus family. And when Quest gets a little bit older, it's we're not going to be a Santa Claus family. But, you know, it's a cultural thing. And But I, even after this, I'm like, that naughty list part of the Santa Claus narrative is is not a thing. That is done. Santa Claus gives gifts regardless of merit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I will say we are not a Santa Claus family. Um, I can't say it's specifically for this reason, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Santa Claus, we teach our kids about St. Nicholas, the, the actual saint in, in, uh, Turkey who, uh, in modern day Turkey who gave to children in need because he loved Jesus so much. And, uh, you know, but yeah, the the modern kind of pop culture Santa Claus is the opposite, essentially, of a lot of these things we're talking about. He doesn't give out of abundance of grace. He gives gifts to those who are worthy of the gifts. You know, uh, if you're if you're pouting, he's not going to give you a gift. And it's um, that's not the way our heavenly Father is. Our heavenly Father gave the most extravagant gift to his worst enemies. And that is, uh, that is what he calls us to. Um, and so to be, and I'm not going to lie. It's not easy to give gifts to your kids when they're rotten jerks because <laughs> kids can be rotten, but, um, we can, those are teaching moments to show, Hey, you don't deserve this right now. Um, and it's not to say, you know, when they're bad, we go and buy them a, a car and say, oh, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to show you God's grace by giving you something you don't deserve. Um, but it is to say we don't withhold good things from them because of their sin. Um, and we don't hold we don't hold out treats, um, you know, as rewards or I should say. Uh, one thing I thought of is there is a difference between reward and gift, right? Gifts are free gifts of grace um, that are given just out of the graciousness of the heart of the giver, whereas a reward is something that's earned and that's achieved. And we do give our kids rewards. Um, Asher has an ongoing reward system where if he reads a book, he gets 10 minutes of video game time. You know, that's that's not a gift. And we explain that like, Hey, this is something you've earned. You get this when you earn it. I do wonder though, um, if, if there might be some, at least sometimes we need to dwell on, um, if God's character is that singularity, it is gift giving all the time. That's it. He does not, or does he? Does he not? Or does he give us rewards for things? Or is every, if if the singularity is is the is it? If it's all gifts all the time? Because I know there's there's some studies out there. There you know they did a a reading program in a high school where they gave kids doll, you know money to um, complete reading. And afterwards, they decided that the program was not successful because kids developed a love of money, not a love of reading. And it didn't accomplish the goal that they wanted because they 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 just made the carrot, the reward, much more important than the actual activity. And I wonder if there's if there is some merit to um, to rethink a reward system. I think there is definitely some um, some value there but be challenging. Is there a way that we are, we are creating rewards where God would instead give it as a gift? Um, because that in his nature, I think maybe that's an area where we don't have the same nature and the same relationship as God, the father. Um, though I would say, and this is get, this will get really nerdy. Um, beware, but, uh, I've read some uh, discussions with uh, John Piper about um, rewards in the hereafter. 
Um, and speaking of, you know, there, there's a debate kind of in some circles between, you know, uh, any good that we do, um, is ultimately empowered by the Holy spirit and is a gift of grace. Um, and so even our good deeds that we do that might earn us rewards before the Lord are gifts of his grace through the power of the Holy spirit. And yet we are told in the scripture that we will receive rewards for our good deeds. Um, and, and for the work that we do for the Lord in this body, it's a little bit of a debate, even in the, in, in, and a, and a little bit of a hard question to say, okay, exactly where does the grace stop? And I, I think in Christianity, we have to say it's all of grace. Um, at the end of the day, um, however, there is clearly, um, and why I brought up John Piper, he talks about, there clearly is a time that God promises there will be a day when God will look at us and say, you have done this and I'm proud of you for doing this and you're my child and I will reward you. Um, but ultimately we know uh, Paul teaches us and Jesus teaches us that, you know, it's the grace of Jesus Christ, the Holy spirit transforming us that even made us able to do those things. And so that's one of those areas where, um, we we are in a different position than God is when it comes to rewarding because uh, God is that singularity. I think every interaction he gives to us is grace and gift, but our children, we are not giving them the power to obey us and to do good things like God does to us. Yeah. To support what you just said, uh, Romans 3, towards verse 24, 24, 25, 26, we see that there's no no way that we can boast, even in receiving an eternal reward, because like you just said, it's all, it's all grace, but on top of that, it's the righteousness of Jesus that is our own righteousness. And so our own righteousness isn't really a thing. I mean, it is, but it's really Christ's own righteousness. And so we're left with uh, only grace, only gratitude. Um, So, yeah, that's a good word. this is this character um you know the santa claus thing that's out we're giving gifts on christmas regardless of of merit and worth and value and their good behavior um random gifts can be abundant extravagant um but we want to explain to our children the heart of the gift point them towards the lord and um, orient that gift giving in a way that mirrors God's character as much as we can. Um, but my question about that is if we're given gifts all the time and it's not because of something that they've done, it's not a reward, but just giving them some nice gifts because even if they're just terrible children, um, won't that just spoil them even more? So, that's something I've been thinking about in the last 10 minutes or so is um, I think it comes down mostly to communication and explaining these things to our kids because um, we are the ones that are going to go to this depth with our kids and not grandmas and grandpas. Um, it's kind of similar to how in ministry, 
if all you do is give away things and all you do is have this giver-receiver uh, transactional mentality, you're not going to probably see fruit of people coming to the kingdom and coming to church um, because as soon as you stop offering that thing, they're no longer interested. And instead, you have to get on the same plane of grace that we're all in the broken world uh, held together and put together back by Christ. And so with our own kids, if they're always receiving some good gift from us or even from their other relatives, we're the ones, uh, and our wives, of course, but we're the ones that kind of step in and have real clear communication with our kiddos. Because if we don't, entitlement is going to pour a very wide and deep foundation. Um, and they're just going to assume... And all of us have had this happen where you go to a store and your kid just expects to get something. Um, and it could be that because you always had given them something or because it happened once. That's just how kids are. They just always want that thing and expect that thing. And so when you do give them that thing or they do get showered with things at Christmas or birthday um, or in the really difficult time of of rebellion or disobedience... Um, we give them something good, even if it's our good words and our and our just our loving actions surrounding them. We explain why we are doing that. That way, they don't assume. I just always get this, and this is the transactional nature of father and and child, or or parent and child. And I think what you just said really drives home that point of even if they're rebellious during that hard time, if you explain it, I think that even drives home the fact that the gift is not based on merit. If you can, in that moment, give them a gift of some in some way with that explanation of, I know things are tough, I know that you're not being good, but I still want to give you this because it's... I, I, out of my love for you, I desire to give it to you so that we can grow in relationship. And it's not because of something you've done. You haven't earned this. Just like our God has given us Jesus Christ. And always point them right back in that direction so that, so that they'll see the gift of Jesus in that same light rather than it's a toy on the shelf that I can get if I want. It's more of a, 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 it's in its proper place when we, when we help explain it. Yeah. And it's important to recognize and you guys hit on this a little bit ago, Brando, it might've just been in a passing statement, but realizing what we can and can't do, what we have and what we don't have. Like we don't have the nature of God or the ability that God has to, to give unlimited resources of time and unlimited resources of things to his church and to the people in the church. Um, but what we do have the ability to do through the power of the Holy Spirit alone is, and we fail at this, but we do have the ability through Christ's power in us, um, is to always respond with good gifts, always to be loving, always to speak truth in a loving way into our kids' lives, um, always to show them that uh, we love them through real acts of love and kindness. And so while we might not be able to make sure they always have everything that they really do need in this world, like God can do, we can do um, what God has called us to do in caring for and loving for our children. Yeah, I think... You hit on a really key um, thing that really will permeate all of this is that aspect of communicating and explaining these things to our children in and of itself is a gift of grace. Um, God giving to us his word and his spirit to illuminate his word so that we can understand his grace is a gift. And we can help our children we it is part of our job as fathers to continually help them to grow in this grace and to understand um 
what this is all about, to understand the differences between our our role towards them and God's role towards them and helping them to see um, the gifts that they may not even recognize. Um, we, we do give them <laughs> my, my ch- three children have a better life than most of the people in the world. And, uh, they still bicker and complain and, and don't think it's good enough. And, uh, it's part of our job not to bully them and berate them into, you know, submission, but to help them to see, Hey, now this is a good thing that you have. And this is, this is a, a gift of grace from the Lord that you have, you know, whatever food you want every day and you have uh, all of these things. Um, I think that's super crucial. So that is good. Um, I remember one, one Christmas break, I came home uh, in college and I had been taking some, some theology classes. So I was pretty proud of the things I was learning and, one of my younger siblings was really complaining about the the cereal options at home. And, like, they were in high school, I was in college, and I was like, you know, I, I wasn't a jerk, but I was just pretty short with them. I was like, you know, you have no idea what you have. Get some perspective. Think about this situation here in this, in this part of the world. I wonder if there's a... Because for me, it didn't really work. They just got mad at me. But, like... I, I want I wish that there is some formula out there of that of just gaining that perspective because while I might not have been the most loving by explaining that like perspective has changed my life when it comes to grace when it comes to gratitude when it comes to what I have and what I don't have and I still struggle with that in my um, in my sin but yeah I just wonder is there is there a way to help our kids catch that perspective as as opposed to just resenting, yeah, but I still wanted that thing, or yeah, but I still want this thing. And if any of you dads, like, have, like, a perfect example or, like, a practical thing that you do with your kids. I mean, obviously, one thing that comes to mind is take your kids to a third world country and just say, offend for yourself for an hour and... You'll probably never complain again, but I don't know. Maybe that won't even work. And, of course, you don't you don't use other portions of the world as your um, as that. I mean, that's kind of a disrespectful thing to do. But yeah, I mean, what, how do you how do you get your kids to catch that perspective? And yeah, if you came to this podcast looking for answers, you are sorely mistaken. You're just going to leave here with more questions. <laughs> yeah, bro, I've got a I've got the oldest kids out of all of us, and I am so far away from having an answer to that one. Uh, my wife and I have that discussion regularly of how can we just give them this perspective? Uh, it's a constant struggle. I mean, I guess there's, there's some things you can do about giving away things you have to someone, but again, you have to be careful that you're not then looking down upon another. Um, so yeah, my, I have a recommendation, but I don't have a solution. My recommendation is just that perspective is an emotional state where you are outside of your own emotions and either imagining actually feeling um or creating um or recreating those emotions that another person has um and to develop that that level of empathy and that level of emotional journey so that you can feel what other people feel um, takes emotional intelligence and emotional um, introspection, emotional development. And those those are all muscles that we train and we work on. And um, I think the first step is identifying um, our own emotions and knowing ourselves um, so that we can better understand others. And so for the, for our kids, I think we are, we, I know we're, we're, we get hyper about, about their intelligence and their IQ and their reading level and all that stuff. But man, um, helping them grow emotionally so that they can have things like empathy and recognize um, when people are suffering or when people are in pain from different situations, that's a gift 
that that would that will benefit them for the rest of their life way more than um, a diploma would. Uh, that's a personal opinion, but <laughs> emotional intelligence, emotional um, growth. I think that's a very important thing to help instill early on so that when you get to those experiences and want to want to help sh- uh, shape and shift perspective, that's the one thing that you got that'll help. I agree with that. I would add, um, as someone who has studied child development, um, that is also something that comes with age and development in our children. Um, we can't expect a, a ton of emotional intelligence uh, at our children's age level, so uh, we shouldn't be too hard on them. Yeah, my main um, my main goal right now with with Quest is emotional management, and Indeed. <laughs> um, just because um, all of her emotions are, you know, they're they're incredibly subdued or they're incredibly chaotic. They are all over the place and just helping her recognize what it is and then know what to do when she recognizes it. If it's something that is not appropriate, it's basically my, my two biggest goals and uh, I probably, you know, uh, excessive frustration is, is the, is the one that we, we spend the most time on. I think I have her count to five. Um, it's a breathing technique. She puts out her hand and use your finger and trace your hand. You go up the thumb, breathe in, down the thumb, breathe out, up the finger, breathe in, down the finger, breathe out. And you do that for the whole hand. I have her do that when she's in timeout and it really helps her because then she's breathing, she's calming down, and then she's able to recognize that probably her behavior wasn't appropriate and there's other ways to manage her frustration. So, um, to wrap up and think about drawing all of these things to a nice, pretty bow, um, we have a God who is supremely gracious to us. Uh, he has uh, perfect grace in ways of giving us extravagant, abundant gifts. He takes priority uh, in Give it, taking the initiative to give grace. Um, he only communicates to us and interacts with us by grace. He gives grace regardless of worth. He, he gives grace that respond, that produces the response he desires to see. And yet he gives grace uh, without any regard to the response he may receive. Um, and there are many ways that we can reflect those perfections uh imperfectly um and there are ways that we there are some of those perfections that we cannot um reflect because we are not god and we have limited resources and limited power um but i think ultimately we want to be gift givers grace givers to our children in ways that take initiative to seek them out in ways that are um not dependent upon their merit and their goodness in ways that uh, build and seek out relationship and intimacy in ways that uh, show them how much uh, we love them and how much God loves them and that point them ultimately in everything that we do to his grace, which is far greater than ours. And so... With that, dads, we're going to move on to Can't Let It Go.
All right, I got some quick hits for the Can't Let It Go. Two things. Um, got a new espresso machine for the coffee shop. Nice. Um, it's kind of like a Tesla, but it's an espresso machine. The reason I say it's like a Tesla is it's like software-centric and very innovative. There's been some machines that have done the thing that things that this one is doing before, um, but this machine is particularly um taking all of those things and, and, and doing them very well. And they've had to invent a couple things to make this de- uh, espresso machine work. Um, and it's also, it's software centric. So if an update gets sent out, you pull better shots. That's just wild. Uh, it's called the decent espresso machine and we're going to be using it, um, at, um, my wife and I own a coffee shop and we'll be using it for a mobile coffee shop experience for, for like weddings and festivals and conventions and other events. I'm super excited about that. Um, the other thing that I can't let go, uh, another quick one. I, I lost it. <laughs> I let it go. <laughs> That's the first time during the can't let it go. Um, <laughs> what's the word? Uh, intervention. <laughs> You actually let it go. Yeah, I let it go. <laughs> Congratulations, Matt. <laughs> All right, you know what? I obviously wasn't that important. I only can't let go of one thing today. So, moving on. All right, so my can't let it go uh, is I have been reading, or I should say listening to the audiobook of Irreversible Damage. Uh, the Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters by Abigail Schreier. Um, and it is quite the um, fascinating read. Um, Abigail Schreier is a, uh investigative journalist. Um, and she interviews a lot of people, parents, um, young people, teachers, psychologists, psychiatrists. Um, discussing the transgender uh, moment that we find ourselves in, specifically centered on uh, adolescent girls um, and how the trend is so prevalent and so um, troubling. And uh, this is a woman who does not share my worldview. Uh, she's fairly liberal um, and yet finds herself also quite troubled by the uh, prevalence of the transgender stuff. And so um, I can't let it go because it's a really fascinating uh, listen, um, but it's also it's pretty troubling as the uh, father of a young girl um, and a pastor of many young girls um, and a concerned citizen. Um I want to see God's kingdom come, and I'm just really interested in in learning as much as I can about, you know, what has led uh, some of these girls down this path, what some of these parents have to say, and um, anyways, it's been very, uh, I just can't let it go. I listen to it every spare moment that I have, um, because I want to get the whole thing in my mind. Um, my can't let it go is something very exciting that's going to be happening with the three of us. Um, yes, in about three weeks' time, Matt and Brando and myself will be making, uh, taking a, a very significant road trip from southwest Missouri to almost to the Canadian border in, in the most northern part of Michigan that you can find. And we were roommates in college. We were bandmates in college. We've stayed in touch geographically as much as we can. Uh, but, of course, through social media and texting and calling. And so we don't get to see each other that much and la- haven't been able to in the last 10 years. So this thing is going to be so fun. We're excited to get to do that. And we are planning to... However it looks, we're not sure yet, but we are planning to record something while we're there together. And so that's what I can't let go of. I can't, I, I can't let go of like planning. I'm just excited to go on this trip. Um, it's going to be a good time, guys. 
Agreed. I am so excited about that as well. What is one thing you're excited about for this trip, Brando? I am excited to be in the great outdoors with my bros. With a campfire, sitting around, chatting about probably deep theological issues. That's what we tend to... And and music. So, that's going to be... What about you, Matt? I'm excited to cook. I love camp cooking. (laughs) Especially catching a fish and then gutting it and then making it on a campfire there's just something that tastes it tastes better when it's when you're (laughs) out in the woods and you have limited supplies and you don't have any you know the spices in your normal kitchen cabinet and you make something that tastes good i'm super excited about camp camp foods (laughs) i am i'm i'm probably equally as excited about both of those things so you guys you guys hit it I can't wait to eat the fish that Matt prepares, and I can't wait to talk about the fish that Brando thinks about. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just think and talk. I'm pretty useless. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be fun. And the podcast will be fun, too. You'll hear probably some crickets and things in the background, and maybe even a Sasquatch. Guys, thanks for listening to Abba Father. If you were encouraged by the podcast, please share it with some friends, share it with other dads, review it so that others can see it when they're searching for God-honoring parenting resources. And if you want to send us a note about the podcast or have some topics on your mind, just want to say hello, you can send us an email to abbafatherpod at outlook.com. We hope to hear from you, and bonus, record an audio clip, and we may feature it in the show. And as always, remember, Dad, we have the gift of grace given to us. Romans 8.15 You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the great gift, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Don't forget to write. (laughs) Keep circulating the tape. Miss you already.